Oh my goodness. Uh, have you ever been offended? And of course, I know the answer to that question. And you're, you're, you're saying like, you know, wh- when's the latest? You know, five minutes ago, wh- wh- what are you talking about? Um, as long as we are with people, <laughs> I think we are going to be offended. Um, one way or the other. You know, uh, Kevin DeYoung, he's a pastor in Michigan. Um, he writes a blog, The Young and the Restless. It's kind of fascinating. But he, he says this in his, his blog, dated 2010, January 13th, entitled, Why Are We So Offended All the Time? He writes this. He says, uh, and I'm just going to read a portion of it. But he says, For starters, being hurt is easier than being right. To prove you're offended, you just have to rustle up moral indignation and tell the world about it. To prove you're right, you actually have to make arguments and use logic and martial evidence. Why debate theology or politics or economics if you can win your audience by making the other guys look like meanies? Says there's nothing like there's nothing like being offended to nail your opponent. No one wants to look like a jerk. And then he names somebody who probably does, but we're not gonna I'm not gonna name. And he says, No one wants to come off as a freewheeling dealer of pain. As a result, we end up held hostage by the possible taking of offense. It's rarely asked whether such offense is warranted or whether it even matters. No, if there is offense, there must be an offender. And offenders are always wrong. So we demand apologies. Now just listen to this, this insight into our souls. So we demand apologies. Sometimes, no doubt, because a genuine sin has been committed. But often we demand apologies just because we can. It's a way to shame those with whom we disagree. It forces them to admit failure or keep looking like a weasel. The weakest offense taker can now bully multitudes of intelligent men and women through the emotional manipulation that goes with chronic offendedness. Chronic offended. Are you chronically offended? Is that, is that, do you have chronic offendedness? No, 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 not you. I mean, I mean, you know, the person sitting next to you, do they have it? Not you, of course. Uh, some of you all might be offended that I just inferred that you could actually be offended uh, chronically. That's not, that's not you at all. I, I understand that. Um, but when people say things to us, and so sometimes they're brash, sometimes they're mean. I remember not too long back, not too long back, I had a gentleman come up to me, face to, I mean, nose to nose, kind of, a little bit shorter than me, so it was like nose to throat, but he was, he was angry. And he said, you know why I'm not here anymore? And I said, no. And he said, just stare me down, because I don't like the senior pastor. Well, I'm thinking, <laughs> next line will be a joke of some sort, right? Just joking, something. Nothing. I was a bit offended. I, I, you know, and I know I was a bit offended because I went back to my office and replayed that tape, some of the things I could have said. You know, you always think of good things to say when it's too late, right? I could have said. You know, most people, most people, when they want to demonstrate their rudeness and ungodliness, send an anonymous letter. But here you are. Thank you. You know, you think of these things that are so good that you want it, that are all vengeance and of the flesh, but, but, but still offended. Some people are just mean to us. But some people, right, sometimes we take offense. They're not mean. 
They're just stating their thought, no intention to hurt. They're just stating their opinion. Maybe negligent, maybe insensitive. Uh, maybe sometimes we're offended because folk are, are silent when we actually think they should be sending some affirmation our way or some recognition or a thank you or something, but they don't, we don't get it. So we're offended. Maybe we're, we're offended because, uh, you know, somebody's just usurping themselves over us. They're trying to call us. You know, they're, they're, they're not, they're, he's not my boss. She's not my boss. They're not my boss. You know, we get, we get, we get bent out of shape. We, we, we set ourselves up sometimes, you know. Kids, what do you think of the new casserole? You know, we get, well, you're not going to believe what they said. Well, maybe, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you're not going to believe what, what she said when I asked my friend if she thought I was bossy. You say, wow, yeah, well, I think I could have or or when when I asked my husband if this dress made me look fat, you're not gonna believe what he said. Oh yeah, I, I, we know he said absolutely not, dear, right? That's what he better have said, right? Or he's on the couch. We we set ourselves up for offense sometimes. Sometimes it's just because life is what it is, and we are who we are. I was told my voice isn't good enough. I was chosen last for the kickball team. Uh, she didn't bring it back when she said she would. She brought it back dirty. She brought it back and didn't say thank you. And we just got thing after thing. We are are uh, the walking wounded, aren't we? We, we are victims huge. And we, we are very in touch with every offense, past, present, projected, real or imagined. We, we carry it. We just like want everybody to know it. Now, sometimes, and you got to say this, sometimes there, I mean, there's real deep hurt in this life. And sometimes there are people who are legitimate Victims, the the pain is very deep. The 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 scars are are very intense. No question about it. But back in the words of Kevin DeYoung, but we're not all victims all the time over everything. So this idea of 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 offense in in Proverbs, Solomon looks at his son. And he says, Rehoboam. When you go through life, you're going to be offended all the time. Sometimes people may be subtle, stick a knife in your back. Sometimes you may be wondering if they meant to say this in a way that would really hurt. Sometimes your situations are what they are. You're going to be offended. However, however, how you respond there, how you view that, what you do with that will change everything. I don't think there's anything that will damage or destroy your marriage quicker than chronic offendedness. I don't think there's anything that will uh, diminish your friendships, that will eradicate potential for intimacy and community like chronic offendedness. Let's face it, nobody wants to be around somebody that you have to walk on eggshells all the time, where I have to be perfect because if I'm not perfect, the whatever, the imperfection, or even the difference, whatever, it's going to be outlined and, and, and pointed to and neon lighted, and I'm going to get no room to be human because I'm just a failure, and I just don't want it to always pound it, point it out to me. So no one really wants to be around somebody. So they, they set themselves up. Ch- chronic offendedness hurts 
people. And this is the crazy thing is this is all of our default system. All of our default system is to go there. And so, so here's our, here's our principle. Our principle is this. Easy enough. Only three words. Overlook and offense. Easy enough. Overlook and offense. And, and here's the verse. Proverbs 19.11. When I first came across this verse, I probably, probably read it before. I don't know. But I came across it in college. And I remember the quiet time when I did by my, my bed in my dorm. This just popped me. Huge. And I'm going to quote my old version at times, but the new ESV says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook offense. Mine, NIV 1984 says, A man's wisdom makes him patient, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. So good sense, I, I like that. Good sense makes one slow to anger. The good sense, what does good sense mean? Well, well, good, good sense. Interesting. We're just, just Hebrew, Hebrew word study for just a second. Uh, good sense. It deals with intelligence. It's discernment. It's insight. But this is what it, it's looking at. Kind of word picture. It's somebody who's in the storm, who sees more than the storm. They can actually rise above it, and they see the storm, but they see when it's going to end, and they see how it's going to end. Because when we're in an emotional storm, someone's taking shots at us, we feel offended, whatever else, our natural tendency is defense and to fire back. We pull up the walls and we start shooting cannons back. That's what, that's what we end up doing. But the person with good sense, when this is all going on and this is all raging inside, they can rise above and they look beyond. They see what a lot of people don't see. It's good sense. This person with good sense, good sense makes one slow to anger. Interesting, interesting word, slow to anger. Two Hebrew words. First word, slow, is, uh, it means long, elongated, it, 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 it protracted out. Anger, you're gonna love this. The word anger means nostrils, right? I mean, actually, the literal, the literal uh, translation is a man's good sense gives him a long nose. That's what it, the literal translation is. But you gotta say, okay, what in the world does that mean? Well, the, the, one way you can really tell if someone's ticked off, right, is their face. They got it all going. And if their nostrils start flaring, then you know you're just seconds away from getting clobbered. You better, better run, right? The nostrils, the, the nose gets red. The nostrils start flaring. Anger. So a long nose means it's, it's, it's a long time before his nose goes off, right? It's a long time before, before he gets upset. It takes a lot to get him angry. This person has a long fuse, not a short fuse. A person with good sense has a long fuse, not a short fuse. You've been around people with a short fuse? You never know when they're going to go off. Sometimes littlest things going to get them to go off. Good sense gives them a long fuse, according to, no, according to, someone with a short fuse does not have good sense, according to Proverbs. There's no, there's no biblical wisdom beginning in the fear of the Lord. So good sense makes one slow to anger. Second line, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And we'll start at the back and work our way this way. Offense. The word here is transgression. This is actual sin. This is not me being oversensitive, even though 
much, 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 much of my offended, chronic offendedness is me being oversensitive. But, but this is a real sin. Did they say something sinful to me? Yes. Did they disrespect me? Yes. Did they take or, or hurt or rip off or infuse some sort of injustice into my life that God would say sin? Yes. This is a real offense. This is a transgression. And what we often want to do with, with transgressions that are real or perceived is justice must be done. And that's why we got the walls going and the cannons going off. Justice must be done. This was awful. This was terrible. And here's, here's the real issue though. The, the, the real issue here is, is uh, you've got a big, fat ego. That, 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 that's really the deal. Because when you've got a big, fat ego, it's going to bump up against other people's big, fat egos, and it gets bruised. It gets hurt. And, and the bigger your ego is, the more it's going to get hurt, because the more things will bump up against it. That's what he's referring to. And it's to his glory, this person of good sense, to overlook an offense. You can love. What the Hebrew word overlook means is to not punish. It's to wink at. To wink at. It's to, it's to not take it into account. So when the offense happens, a real offense, the offense happened, the person said whatever, whatever the, the reasoning is, is irrelevant to this point, they, they did it. But it's to not let it get stuck in the craw. It's to not accept, it's to guard your heart, not let it in. It's to, 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 to overlook an offense. Actually, it's the same thing as slow to anger, right? It's to his glory to overlook an offense. Now, this is, this is kind of ironic because the very reason why I've got my walls up and I'm starting to fire back is because I'm trying to protect my respect. You know, I'm trying to protect my glory. I'm trying to protect my honor. In the process, I lose it. The way you gain it is to overlook the offense. The word glory means beauty. You got to love this. It means attractiveness, splendor. Now, we know this, right? This is the type of person, right, we want to be married to. Somebody who overlooks an offense. We don't want every time we drop the ball because we're going to drop. We don't want every single time we do something stupid for it to be dragged out. But we know there's, there's grace. There's, there's room to be human. There's, there's uh, not knocking down every idiosyncrasy or even necessarily every difference of methodology. But there's, there's, there's grace. This is who we want to hang with, right? There's attractiveness to this person. There is beauty to this person. We want this kind of person. Forgiveness, uh, C.S. Lewis says, is a great thing until you have to give it, right? So, I mean, it, it, is, it is something we want in other people, but for ourselves. That's another issue. For ourselves, we've got to make sure justice is done. For ourselves, we got to... Now, someone will say, you know, I don't get offended. I get hurt, but I don't get offended. Well, you, you know... They're the same thing. And anger, you can throw in that same category. So it's the same, it's the same, it's the same thing. And, and it could be, if you are getting hurt often, if you are getting offended often, if you find yourself rising up in anger often because of other people, the issue may not be them. The issue may be here. 
And whether we can go into this whole psychology thing, whether it's some deep-rooted hurt from the past that is causing this, or just according to this text, it sure seems that he's saying, doesn't it, that you've got some control here. You can't say, well, this is just the way I am. Well, you'd be this way too if you had... No, 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 he's, he's, there's, you've got some control here. You don't. It may be who you are, but you don't have to stay there. Overlook an offense... Solomon tells his boy, when you go through life, because if you overlook an offense, your life is going to be so much better. You're going to be so much more significant as far as making an impact on people. And this is the crazy thing. As you do this, not only will your relationships all be better, all of them, but you will make the people in your relationships better if you embrace this principle to overlook an offense. Now, when we don't, according to the text, we don't overlook the offense. It's, it's, it's an anger thing, right? Slow to anger. There's an anger issue. Now, there's two types of people. We know there's the screamers. There's the people, whenever they're angry, they just explode, right? I mean, stuff is flying and words are flying. They usually just kind of blow big time and then they're fine. They're good. And then there's the, the, the silent screamers, though. Then there's the folks that don't explode. They implode. You know, everything kind of goes in. And, and and they might not necessarily scream and swear and throw things, but they'll squeal their tires, they'll slam the doors, they'll they'll give the silent treatment, they'll pout big time, sulking big time. That's all just just anger. That's just that's just anger. Um, this idea of overlooking offense is not necessarily. I'm just going to hold my tongue, and I'm oh, I'm burning inside, but I'm just going to be cool right now. Partially, but it goes. Uh, even beyond that. I think is it Proverbs 29, 11. He says that a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. You get those times when you want to, you got to hold it down. There's a discipline issue, but it goes beyond that. Next, next text. I think it's Proverbs 16. Yeah, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So it's not just, I'm not getting this manifestation of it. I'm not even letting it in. I'm winking at it. I'm overlooking it. No punishment. It's not, it's not making my nose red even though my mouth is staying shut. I, I'm, I'm, it's, not, it's not affecting me. Now, there's a case study real quick, how this anger thing works. What we can do to become people who embrace this principle because it will change all of life. And it's not some hot air thing I'm selling. This is God's word. Um, Jonah. Jonah was a prophet uh, around 750 B.C., northern kingdom. We read first time we come across Jonah, 2 Kings 14. It says 2 Kings 14. Do we have that at all? Yeah. He restored. Now, he's Jeroboam II. Okay, this is the king, northern kingdom at this point. He restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Geth Hefer. Now, you're looking at that verse and going, what does that mean? What? Northern kingdom, Israel, is in their second golden era right now. I mean, since not since Solomon... Have they been as powerful? You know, after the Civil War, both countries kind of languished for a while. But now the North is, is a formidable force. Militarily, economically, they are just flying. And you know how it all started? Jonah 
goes to Rehoboam the king and tells him this prophecy. Hey, it's going to work, Rehoboam. You should go for it. Make, make Israel great again, you know, kind of thing. Let's, we can do this. Go for it. And so Rehoboam hears this and says, let's do this. So, so Jonah is like the pastor of, of Israel. He's, he's, the, he's the spiritual leader. He's the one that talked Rehoboam into going down this direction. And so they're pushing out borders. The Edomites are on the run. Big guys on the block, the Assyrians, they're on the run. And, and, and Israel's in pursuit. And Jonah is just a honking rock star at this point. Well, they're thinking, you know, cause was, cause they're gonna come, they're closing in on, on Assyria. Their capital is Nineveh. Uh, Ninevites, the head of the, the capital of Assyria. Just, just so you know, Ninevites were, were, uh, they had a reputation, bad reputation. These folk had a reputation for incredible, uh, barbaric cruelty. When they caught you, their tortures they would impose on you. Just, just, they did this intentionally so that all the other peoples would just surrender and not try to fight them. And so when they would catch you, especially if you hold up and you made them break into your city, they would impose incredible, incredible tortures on the people. And we, they're really sickening. These were not good people. They were not good people. And so uh, Jonah's got to be thinking with, with Rehoboam II, we're getting close to Nineveh. We're going to go take out Nineveh. And maybe they're thinking, yeah, when we go in there, let's massacre them all. Yeah, what do you think? Nah, I think we should take some slaves. Oh, okay, maybe we should. God comes to Jonah at that point. He says, Jonah, 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 I know you're thinking about Nineveh. Listen, I'm thinking about them too. And uh, I would like you to go preach to them, please. Would you go preach to the Ninevites? Well, there's really only one reason you preach. You preach for them to repent. But Jonah's got to be thinking a couple different things. First of all, these guys are incredibly cruel, and they know we're their enemy, we're Israel, and we're giving them, we're threatening them right now. And so here I am, an Israelite, I'm just going to show up in Nineveh and just kind of walk through their capital and and proclaim, you think this is going to work? How's that going to go? I don't know if I like that. Number two, God, what are you doing? These guys deserve justice, not a chance to repent for crying out loud. And so, so God says, go east. Jonah goes west. He gets in a boat at Tel Aviv and Joppa and he heads for Spain. He's out of here. And you know the story, right? First chapter, he's in this boat going and a storm. And the sailors who had seen a gazillion and one storms, they're sailors for crying out loud. There's something different about this storm. This thing, there's just, this is not, this is not right. There's something going on. And so they put the word out on the boat. What is going on? And Jonah raises his hand and says, it's me. It's my fault. I, God told me to go and I went this way. And so they threw him in the water. They said, oh, get rid of this guy, right? Get, get rid of him. He's in the water and a big old fish swallows him. You know the story. Chapter two of Jonah, he's in the belly of the fish, all of chapter two. It's only like 10 verses, but he's in there and he's having a change of mind while he's in the belly of the fish. You know what? Maybe going to Nineveh wouldn't have been so bad after all. And he's maybe what God's really got is God is going to blow him up and all, but he's going to give him a fair chance because that's kind of what God does. I bet that's what's going to happen. Anyway, so the the fish throws up Jonah and Jonah then makes a several hundred mile track to Nineveh. He gets there. And he walks through the city of the Ninevites. And this is chapter 3 of Jonah. 
says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, arise, this is exile the fish now. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. This was good. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Not a very seeker-sensitive message, right? But it works. It works. Now, the Ninevites have been being chased by the Israelites, and none of these guys are atheists. They, they know every land has their God, and the Israelite God, for crying out loud, he is kind of powerful. He's knocking everybody out right now. And so they're a little bit nervous. And so when, when God's spokesman, the Israelite God spokesman comes and preaches to them, this is amazing thing for them. And so interesting, whole, the whole city, king down, everybody repents, repents. And verse 10, this is, this is when God saw what they did. How they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. You know, there are over 120,000 people. There's 120,000 at least in Nineveh. It says at the end, you know, I've got 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left. Uh, archaeologists kind of debate, does that mean 120,000 kids? Or is he just saying morally these guys are all clueless, there's 120,000? But it's a big city, all the same. Walled city, 120,000, this is a big place, right? I know if I was to preach and I had that kind of response, whole city, 120,000 people respond, I'd be feeling pretty good. I would be feeling all right. You'd think that Jonah should be feeling pretty good here, but Jonah's not feeling pretty good here. No, Jonah's not feeling good here at all. Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Not just displeased him, exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. This is why I went the other direction. For I know, I know, he knows he knows this, right? That you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger. God's got a long nose. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He knows this. Now, therefore, O oh Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Sometimes, tell me, this is, this is true. We know this is true. Sometimes we know we should forgive someone. We know we should forgive someone. But you know what? We would rather die than forgive somebody. We would rather die than give up our anger. We would rather die than, than, than lose our ego. This, this principle, overlook an offense, it's got lots of upsides. There's only one kind of downside, and that kind of downside is you have to let go of ego. And many folks, Jonah is not a pagan. Jonah knows the word better than one could argue anybody else. Jonah has got a direct pipeline to God. Jonah's a church guy, but he'd rather die than, than offer forgiveness. He's not, he's not, not into the slow of anger's stuff. Uh, verse 4, the Lord said to him, Do you do well to be angry? Now, it, it's interesting, this next verse. Look at verse 5. Because Jonah doesn't even answer God, does it? I mean, God says, Jonah, are you, 
you, is, you have a right to be angry? John, John, maybe he knows he doesn't, but he's not giving it up. So, so he doesn't even answer him. Instead, he goes out of the city, sits in the, sat the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till the, he should see what would become of the city. He's out in the desert and he's alone because chronic offendedness is a lonely place to be. It's a lonely place to be. And he's waiting, and he's waiting to see God blow up the city. He's not going to be happy until justice is done. He's not going to be happy until he is vindicated, until his ego is stroked a little bit. He's not going to be, so he's just waiting. He's just waiting. Next verse. Now the Lord God appointed a plant. A man made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Sun's hot in the desert. So Jonah was exceedingly glad. Remember, he was exceedingly sad a minute ago, but now he's exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. God's trying to get his attention here. And God asked, uh, Jonah asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than live. Next verse. But God said to Jonah, same question. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? Jonah, look, look, what, look, what, look, what, you're, look what you want to die because the plant died? For Are you serious? Now, what's, what's, look at Jonah's answer here, first of all. He says, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. If you notice the progression with, with Jonah, he's angry, right? He, he, he's, 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 he's not overlooking any offenses, chronic offenses. He's, he's angry, and God calls him on it, but he's not willing to relinquish his anger. And it, now, down the road, that anger has grown. Now, that anger has become such that he's getting angry over stupid little things, the plant. His own comfort. He, he wants to take his own life because he's uncomfortable. His anger has grown. It's the problem with unchecked anger. God's word is always, always, always good. It's not a suggestion. When we overlook an offense, what, what happens is we get rid of the anger. We let that go. There's healing that goes on in our own soul, in our own heart. But when we harbor it, it's toxic and it destroys everything. It grows. It makes Jonah so angry, angry enough to die because of this stupid plant. So God comes to him and says, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many, many, many cattle? When we don't... When we when we're chronic offenders, when we when we have when we're with chronic offendedness, that's just part of who we are. Two things we're missing. One is we don't see people through God's eyes. The person who offended us, uh, we would just assume God blow them up. There needs to be justice. It needs to be happened. They need to be shamed. Whatever. We just we just assume assume that they there needs to be some retribution here. 
and God is obviously screwing up. We wouldn't say it that way, but that's what's going on in our mind. That's why we can't trust him with the vengeance. We have to hang on to it. We don't see the people through his eyes. You don't see these people, Jonah, the way I do. These people are made in my image. And I know they've done some pretty horrific things. What Jonah didn't know is 50 years down the road, Nineveh would repent of their repentance and judgment would come on the city. Uh, Jonah couldn't trust God, I guess, to see the the future. We don't see people through his eyes. Second thing we we don't see, we we don't, um, I don't know, as Christians, fast forward 2,000 years, we don't see what Christ did for us. Right? You, you remember, remember the parable when, when Peter comes to him and says, should I forgive people seven times? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. No, 70 times seven, which just means it's kind of like love. It's not how many times should I love. You are a loving person or you're not. You're a forgiving person or you're not, Peter. And then he gives him that parable, the wealthy guy, who, a guy who stole lots of money, oh, millions of dollars from this master. The master catches him and the guy asks for forgiveness and the master grants it. And then the guy goes out, and he finds somebody who, who owes him 50 bucks, and he calls them names, and he judges them in his heart. And, and, and he, he inflicts physical things on this guy, and he ends up putting this guy in jail. He hurts this guy. And then the master hears about it and calls this guy back in, and forgiveness is off the table now for that guy too. And all he's letting us know is this. This is his big deal he's trying to communicate to Peter is... If you really realized how much you were forgiven by God, if you really realized the incredible debt that that Jesus paid, if you really realized what it took and what it meant for your sins to be eradicated and your offense to God over and again and done away with, if you really realized that, then this other stuff, when people offend us, it's you'd see it as a deadly. You'd see it for what it for what it is. So as we seek to, to apply some of these principles for our life, let me just encourage you on this line. Do this. I'd go home. I'd memorize Proverbs 19.11. I would put it on, on a card on my rearview mirror of my car, in mirror of my, my bathroom, on my monitor screen. I would not just tell you got it down because you know how short-term memory works. It's a pretty short verse. You get it down like this and move on. You'll forget it in two weeks. But keep it there. And here's what you do. Every time you see it, you pray it through. God, would you help me to understand? I don't understand this as well as I need to. And I, I, I don't do this like I need to. Please, would you help me to be one who overlooks an offense? And Solomon tells Rehoboam, when you go through life, all kinds of scenarios, people will be offending you left and right. They shouldn't. It's wrong. It's evil. But your response, your response, and it will be to your glory. It will be to your, your, your glory, Rehoboam. If you learn to overlook an offense, let's pray. Lord, you're overlooking our offense. Was, I mean, it was a costly thing. With our sin, you couldn't just wink. Jesus had to die. And God, I know with the people here, there are some things that are uh, deeply troubling and deeply painful and real scars and I pray oh God would you meet them by your Holy Spirit 
Lord, would you give them wisdom? Some of these things we know we, we are to put on the table. You tell us elsewhere. We're, we're to share. But, oh, 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 Lord, would you help myself? Would you help my brothers and sisters here to be people who overlook an offense for your kingdom's sake? I would pray that would be so. Even, Lord, as we partake of the, the opportunity to give back some of that which you've given to us, would you use these monies, Lord, by your, your Holy Spirit, working in the hearts of those who have the authority to expend them? I pray, God, that you'd multiply, but it would go, f- just bring your gospel further and deeper here in Erie and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.